Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Church, go ahead and grab a seat. It is so cool to have you with us, joining us for service today. That is for every single one of you that is in the room that calls Liverpool One Church. You, um, you're, you call it your home. Well, you guys are family. And for every single one that is joining us online, you are just as much part of this thing too. In a few moments, we're going to be jumping into the second instalment of our current series called The Same God. And I guess that the whole premise of this current series is taken from a scripture that's found in Hebrews that talks about how Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And we believe that actually the same way that there were people that had encountered just everyday, ordinary life's problems and life's issues that are recorded in the Scriptures and how God helped them through that, we believe that if He's the same yesterday, today and forever, that means that that's accessible to each and every one of us today too. So in a moment, we're going to be jumping into the Scriptures. But let me just tell you a few things. Firstly, um, the subject matter of today's talk is particularly pertinent to me. That's because right now my body clock is on 5am. So we're going to be talking about what it's like to try and avoid not physical tiredness, but spiritual tiredness. So it's kind of apt for me because I've been away for a little bit of time and I'm seven hours behind. So hopefully this is going to deliver okay. I spent the last uh, few days out in America and actually um, I had the opportunity to go and sit at a roundtable event in and between a bunch of other stuff that Emma and I were doing out there. But I was at this roundtable event and it was basically a, a dinner that had been put on for some global pastors to kind of have the opportunity to meet together, hang together. And like, I just ended up in a room that I'm not going to lie. Like, I was a little bit like, I don't even know how I ended up in this room. But some people kind of love that, you know, kind of like these networking events. You, you know what they're like. You do them in work sometimes and you've got to meet a bunch of new people to you. And everyone's like, tell me your story and where you're from. Like some people... They come to life in those meetings and those events, right? They, they love it. They, they eat that stuff for breakfast. But like, I'm, I'm just going to be super honest. I find that kind of stuff real hard, real taxing. Like it genuinely makes me want to like just go home. I rang Emma and I was like, man, I'm around a table with a bunch of people that I don't know and everyone's firing all these questions at me. Like, I want to come home. And she's like, you can't come home. She's like, that's not a thing. So we're around this table and I'm just feeling like anxious. I'm feeling awkward. I'm feeling like... You just get a grip of yourself and enjoy the moment. And I'm around people that I've looked up to for years and um, it just felt a bit strange. But things got really strange at the end of the night when one of the guys that was sitting next to me kind of leans over and he says, hey, um, can I have your number? Now, I'm not going to lie. I was a bit surprised that he would ever ask that question. Nobody's ever asked that question. But now he's like, hey, can I have your number? So I started to read out my number. And then another guy around the table was laughing, saying like, oh no, you don't do it that way. You, you just share your, share your profile card. You, you share your thing straight from your phone. And I'm thinking, yeah, like, 
I know how to do that. I do that all of the time. So they're kind of like coaxing me how to do it. You hit the phone button and then go into contacts and then right on the top of your iPhone, there's like your profile and you can like just airdrop it to everybody else's phone that you choose. And they're like, this is the easiest way to like share your details. So I was like, yeah, okay. So I kind of shared my profile card with the guy that was sat next to me. And then the guy that was like two seats away kind of leans over and says, hey, can I have your contact number as well? Can I have your, your profile card? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. So I'm sat around this table and I'm being asked to like share my profile card, which is kind of new to me. And I'm feeling awkward. I'm in an environment where I'm not comfortable. I'm genuinely more happy with a book in the corner of my living room than I am anywhere else. It's like, that's my happy spot. And I'm just feeling like, man, I just feel a bit out of my depth. This is all a bit overwhelming. And then the guys that I'd been sharing my contact details with, well, they start laughing. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, well, what the flip are you laughing at kind of thing? And they're like pointing their phone to one another and they're laughing. And, and I'm like starting to get a complex. I'm thinking, you're laughing at me, aren't you? I'm like, we'll take this outside right now. If that's where this needs to go, we'll just do this thing right now. I'm already on edge, but now feeling like you're laughing at me, we'll, we'll, we'll go there right now. And now they're all starting to gather around and they're all laughing. And I'm genuinely, my, my head is working at 100 miles an hour. I'm trying to think like, what is going on here? And then they explained to me, they said, um, hey, thanks so much for sharing your profile card with us. I'm like, yeah, so what's the issue? Well, the issue is, this was the profile picture that I was sharing on my iPhone that one of my kids has clearly altered probably five years ago, right? So I'm now introducing myself as, hey, my name is Big Fat Stinky Butts, you know? And it's kind of like, they found that hilarious. I just felt embarrassed. I was like, just let the ground open up, you know? <laughs> but the truth is, I was jet lagged on the way out, even more so than I was jet lagged on the way back. But it's funny because if I wasn't jet lagged, I probably would have seen that. I probably would have been able to avoid that at the pass. I would have been able to change that. Because isn't it funny how when you're really tired, you end up making some dumb decisions sometimes. Like, have you ever noticed how when you're tired, you just don't make the same wise, smart choices that you would have made if you were feeling replenished and refreshed and you feel like you're just full of energy? You make way better decisions, don't you, when your life is in that end of the court rather than just feeling tired all of the time. But being tired, if we're honest, is not a huge problem all of the times. And that's because I think that there are two types of being tired. On one hand, there's a, there's a good tired. There's a tired that you feel that's kind of partnered with a sense of achievement and accomplishment when maybe you've chosen to stay up late because you want to clear the 85 emails that are just stacking up in your inbox. Like, you know that you're going to go to bed a little later. You know that you're going to feel a little tired, but you feel like, man, this has been on my to-do list forever. And I'm just glad that I've been able to bottom that off. And you feel like I did it. And it makes you feel good, even though you feel tired. Or what about the days? And you know what this is like when maybe you've been heading towards a meeting in work, you've got to maybe meet with a new client or your new boss, and you've spent days prepping the figures, you've created the chart, you've got all of your screens ready, you've been looking at the numbers, you spent days preparing for the meeting. And then when you get there and it goes well, you kind of walk out feeling exhausted, feeling tired, 
But it's quite a good sense of tired, isn't it? You feel like you've achieved something. You feel like you've accomplished something. And it's the same with physical exertion too. There are times when you're going to feel tired because physically life has become demanding for you. And even though your muscles are aching and your body's waning, you've maybe pushed yourself too hard at the gym, on the trail, on the bike, doing the thing, even though you're tired, it feels like this is a good tired. It feels like I'm okay with this. It makes you feel uplifted because you've accomplished something and you've achieved something. But there's a whole other category of being tired, which isn't good tired. There's a whole other way that we often do our life that I would want to call dangerously tired. And this is when you are worn out. This is when you are fatigued. This is when you feel like life is not going great for you anymore. And you know you've gone beyond your limit. You are dangerously tired. And the difference between dangerously tired and good tired is similar to that of a light shower versus a thunderstorm. It's similar to that of a light breeze versus a hurricane. That's the difference between good tired and dangerously tired. And the reason why I want to talk to you about how are you doing in terms of your tank of your life? How are you feeling managing all of the things that you do? How are you doing? Do you feel tired today? The reason why I want to talk to you about this is because we're all the same. And when you're dangerously tired, you're the same as me. You make dumb decisions and choices. When you're dangerously tired, you do things that you would never ordinarily do. When your tank of life feels full and energized. When you're dangerously tired, you lose your ability to remain balanced and steadfast in a way that you often can when you feel good tired. When you're dangerously tired, you look for escape routes. You end up indulging in what you think is going to be an extra glass of wine, but very quickly it becomes another bottle. It starts out as being one additional beer, but before you know it, you've had all four cans. It starts out as something and it leads you to a place that you would never otherwise choose to go. You indulge in sex, you indulge in your medicine of choice, just anything that will take the edge off or even distract you. All what you do is you look for off-ramps, you look for an exit, for how you can just escape, even if it's just for a moment, that sense of feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. You look for an off-ramp that's going to see you be able to quit. And it's not a problem that you quit at things sometimes. But the problem with quitting is when you quit at the wrong time in the wrong way. And if there was ever a moment in your life or in mine when you're going to do that, it's when you're dangerously tired. In the book of Galatians in the New Testament, the writer actually speaks into this whole idea too before we jump into some Old Testament scripture. Because in Galatians 6 verse 9, it says, let us not become weary Let us not become devastatingly tired. Let us not become dangerously tired in doing good. And the fact that he warns us about this tells us that this can happen in your life. It can even happen in your spiritual life. You can run your tank empty. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest coming if we just do not give up. And I think that in the same way 
that it's true that we can experience a sense of good tired in our physical life. We can also experience good tired spiritually. But what's all the more important is how do you handle the times when you feel dangerously tired spiritually? When you feel like, man, I've just not got the energy anymore, I'm ready to quit. When you feel like I've not got the motivation anymore, I just want to walk away from this. What do you do in your life when you feel like you have become spiritually tired? Because this is not a new problem. In fact, the more you read Scripture, what we all find is that we're all the same. We've all experienced times and seasons of feeling dangerously tired. Even some of the great heroes of old that we look up to, they endured seasons like this too. We could talk about Moses from the Old Testament, who was the leader of the nation of Israel when they didn't have a land that was called their own. Moses was the leader who God had appointed to approach Pharaoh and say, let my people go. But there was a season in his life where he became so dangerously tired with the demands of work and the people that he felt the same way that we sometimes feel when our life becomes dangerously tired. And the account is recorded in Numbers 11. Moses is complaining to God and he says this, where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favour and spare me of this misery. Moses was saying this, he's like, look, the leadership mantle that's on my life, it's too heavy. Like I can't make anybody happy anymore. Everyone's hungry, they're all demanding. Where are we going to get food from, Moses? Everybody's complaining, everybody's whining. He's like, I've had enough of this. I'm out. God, you might as well just kill me. Have you ever had a time or a season in your life where you've been like that? God, you might as well just kill me. I actually think that, I'm not sure I've got that close, but there was one occasion when I got real near. And you've got to understand the context of our life is that every time we get up to speak on a Sunday, it's not the type of thing that you can kind of like just put an hour into doing and then you're good to go. I'm sure that there are people way smarter than me on the planet that can do that. But for me and for our team here, when we communicate, it like it takes so much time and energy. Like for just a 30 minute window, it takes us almost 30 hours worth of just preparing and getting this thing in alignment and studying God's Word. And we don't take it lightly. It's a big deal because we come in prayed up that when people leave church, whether it's at this service or the earlier service, they walk home feeling like they've just felt and heard from the very living God that we all serve together. That's how much of a big deal this is for me. A couple of years ago, I was walking through the foyer after preaching two or three times on a Sunday and somebody came up to me and they were like, hey mate, um, like, you know, you talk, you know, your thing you, you did today. I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, man, he goes, you've just got one of those voices and every time you speak, you send me to sleep. And I'm going like, really? God, just kill me now. Like, seriously? Like, I'm doing my best up here and it's like, just kill me. Just end it right now. But we all know what that's like, right? In some way, shape or form to feel like we've just got to the end of our tether. Maybe it's with work. Maybe it's with family. Maybe it's with our finances. We feel like, man, God, just kill me. Just take me out of the game now. That's the experience that Moses was encountering. 
But he's not the only one. We could look at the life of Job. Job was somebody that kind of had everything. He had the business thing. He was able to make money. He had a beautiful family. He had children, probably had a great house. You know, he had it all going on on paper. And then one day he pretty much lost everything that was important to him. And then he starts to complain to God. And he says this, is not all human life a struggle? Our lives are like that of a hired hand, like a worker who longs for the shade, like a servant waiting to be paid. I too have been assigned months of futility, long and weary nights of misery. And in verse seven, he goes on, Oh God, remember that my life is but a breath and I will never feel happiness again. And it was like Job's tank was empty. He was dangerously tired. And when you become dangerously tired, you start to lose your perspective. You start to lose all of your sense of hope that tomorrow could be a better day. I mean, you've got to ask yourself about Job and his life. Was what he was saying true? Because he makes a bold statement. I'm never going to see happiness again. And yet when you look at the context of Job's life, at the end of his life, you see him with a family and with everything that had been taken away from him, restored to him. Like he did experience happiness again. So was it true what Job was saying? No. Was it heck true? But was it his reality? And was it true to him? Yes. Why? Because he was dangerously tired. His energy tank was depleted. We could go into the New Testament. We could look at the Apostle Paul, who was the biggest contributor to our New Testament. And even he writes in 2 Corinthians 11, I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers. I've laboured and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger, I've known thirst, I've gone without food, I've been cold, I've been naked. And besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. You know what he's doing? He's saying, look, God, I can't cope and handle this anymore. I've got troubles in the city from a bunch of people that I thought I would never get trouble from. And then I've got trouble from outside of the city, from a bunch of people that I've always expected trouble from. I've had trouble with my friends. I've had trouble with my family. Physically, this has worked its way out negative towards me. Like I've gone without food. I've gone without water. I've been shipwrecked. This has been crazy. Like nothing's gone well for me. And now he's just saying like, God, seriously, like my tank is empty. He was dangerously tired. And now God, when you think of all the concerns of trying to lead the church, like God, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. And I think that's something that we can all relate to. We've all had seasons in our life, maybe you're in one right now, where you feel like physically and spiritually, you're just worn out. You're just fatigued. You are dangerously tired. And you know that you are just a moment away from making some really dumb choices. So because this can be a spiritual problem for us, I want us just to explore the question of, are there some signs, are there some pointers that we can look out for to find out, am I spiritually dangerously 
tired. Well, there are five things that I think that you can spot in your life. And I promise you this, if you can't spot them and you're married, your spouse will, okay? She will definitely see these coming. But if you are worried that maybe your tank is empty, you're physically and spiritually dangerously tired, ask this question. Can you see these signs? Because a big sign is cynicism. Are you becoming cynical about everything and everyone? Like you used to have friends that you would trust and want to do life with, but now the way you see your friendship group, even though you used to love them, now you're just cynical towards them. And now you start to question their motives. You're suspicious that they mean any good for you anymore. They used to at one point, but now you're like, man, I don't even know whether they like me. I don't even know whether they're for me. I have no idea. Like you used to love them, but now you question them all of the time. The people around you, maybe even your family, like you have this sense of they mean ill towards you. Like there's some other agenda always running all of the time. Cynicism, it's a sign that you're spiritually weary. Negative self-talk, this is another thing. When you just kind of like become like Job and you're like, God, you might as well just kill me because I'm never gonna experience happiness again. Well, that's when you start to employ negative self-talk. And it's a sign that spiritually and physically, you're on your way to becoming dangerously tired. When you've got negative self-talk, you don't think it's possible for you to achieve and accomplish your goals anymore. You think that everybody else is like experiencing the blessed life or whatever that is, but that's just evading you. And it feels like you're just nowhere near it and you've got no clue about how to get back to it. The third thing is comparison. You start to compare your life to everybody else's. I mean, even though they're friends, you look at them with an envious eye. Like, why do they get the car? Why do they get the house? Why do they get the holiday? Why do they get the thing? And all of this has been missing from my life. And you start to compare yourself. And if you're not doing it with your close group of friends, I bet your bottom dollar that you'll be doing it on Facebook and Instagram. And it's so easy to look at other people's lives and the way in which they're living and just assume that their life is better than yours. But here's the thing that I'm learning about Instagram. There's always someone that looks like they're doing better than you. But the key word being looks. They look like they're doing better than you. They may not be doing any better and in fact dealing with the same challenges as you are. But what Instagram does is it impregnates our mind and our way of thinking that makes us think that like everybody else is winning and my life sucks. So avoid the comparison game because if you find yourself living comparing, chances are, you're becoming spiritually, dangerously tired. The fourth thing you do is you abandon your dreams and goals. You used to want to go for the career, but now you're like, nah, it's probably not gonna happen anyway. You used to want to go on a dream holiday with the family, but no one else has ever done it in your family, so why would you be the first? You used to have a dream of one day we're gonna, and now you're just like, well, it's not happening right now. This isn't the season for me. So you start to abandon your goals and your dreams. And then the fifth thing you do is you start to become impatient. When you're spiritually dangerously tired, you become impatient with your family, especially those that love you the most, your kids, your staff, your colleagues. It feels to you like everybody just frustrates you. Like they all do your head in a little bit and nothing in life is fast enough for you and you lose the art of having fun anymore. 
So what causes it? What causes you and I to sometimes live dangerously tired? Well, there are a few things. The first is conflict. If you're experiencing conflict at home, I bet every other part of your life feels like it's broken. I can vouch for this. I find that like in terms of my marriage, when Emma and I are in a good place, my life works. When we're in a difficult place, it feels like everything's broken. Why? Because conflict causes us to feel tired. It's draining. It's fatiguing of us all. When you lose a relationship, someone that you thought that you could trust, but they stab you in the back, it's draining. When you had a friend and you were best friends and now they don't want to be your friend, it's draining. It makes you spiritually tired. Illness is another thing. Sometimes you just get so sick and tired of being ill and you're frustrated because your body can't do what it used to be able to do. And now you're just feeling empty, depleted, dangerously tired. The third thing is lack of control. Hey, if you're doing life today thinking that you can control anybody, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but you might as well give up on that goal because you cannot control anybody. So just let it go. In fact, even as we build this church here at Liverpool One, we are committed to changing lives for Christ one life at a time. That is our goal every single Sunday. But I promise you this, we're never going to try and control you or coerce you into doing something or being somewhere. And here's the real reason why. I couldn't handle that pressure in my life. So I don't want the pressure of ever trying to control you or anybody else. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the Scriptures and about how we can apply them to our lives. And if people want to get on board and follow that, amazing. We're all in this together. But if they don't, we're not going to fight you on it. I couldn't handle the pressure of trying to control anybody. The fourth and fifth thing is unmet expectations. It makes you tired. When you think that something's going to be one way and it kind of just feels like a million miles away. When you aim for the stars, but you only hit the lamppost, hey, at least you're further on than where you thought. And I do this with unmet expectations. If you feel like you're just not getting to where you want to go and you feel like your expectations aren't met, lower them. That's what I do all of the time. And it just kind of works. I want it up there. I only got here. <laughs> There's my new expectation. It makes life so much easier. But the fifth thing that causes you to be spiritually dangerously tired is criticism. And you will know what this is like. Some people, they will criticise the way you parent. They'll criticise the way you do your work. They'll criticise the way you do your thing. Like we all know what it's like at times to experience criticism. But can I just say this? If you do anything at all that is even remotely significant, people will criticise you. And you're never going to stop it and you're never going to change it. It's a part of life. But here's the thing. I don't want you to onboard yourself with other people's criticisms of you. What I do want you to onboard yourself with is other people's feedback towards you. And there's a big difference between feedback and criticism. And I've had to learn this the hard way from having at times been overwhelmed by other people's criticisms towards me. I've now had to learn the art of dismissing criticism, but really applauding feedback. Now, here's the difference. 
The difference between feedback and criticism is one seeks to correct and restore, the other seeks to retire and destroy. One seeks to correct and restore, the other retire and destroy. And I don't know about you, but I want to be around people who can build my life up. And even if I step out of line, do something wrong, say something stupid, and I've been known to do that, I want them to come alongside me and correct me and restore me. I don't want them to just be coming with, a, with an intent that's actually trying to take me down. So here are some things you can do when you try and determine Is what I'm hearing, is this feedback that I should be listening to or is this criticism that I should be avoiding? Ask these three things. Number one, concerning the person that's coming to you, are they bringing you feedback or criticism? Or do they know me? Does the person that's saying whatever they're saying or typing whatever they're typing, do they know me? Proverbs 27 verse 6 tells us this. It says that wounds, words for, or wounds sorry, from a sincere friend are worth more than many kisses from an enemy. In other words, when somebody knows you and they're in a relationship with you, you have a friendship with, with them, you're tight with them, their words oftentimes can be trusted because they mean well for you. So when trying to determine is this feedback or just sheer criticism, do they know me? And then ask, are they for me? Because there are some people that know you, but they're not for you. And you shouldn't take on board in your life the criticisms that come your way from people that know you, but aren't fundamentally for you. Find yourself people that are for you. Proverbs 18 verse 2 tells us that fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their opinions. So when somebody comes to you and all they want to do is offload their opinion That's criticism and you don't need that in your life. What we need is feedback from people that are for you. The third thing you should ask is, are they repeating themselves? Do they have a history of doing this? Have they done this to me a load of times before? Have they done this to other people that I know about? And then the fourth thing, ask, are they willing to help me? The biggest difference between feedback and criticism is that question. Are they willing to help me? About four years ago, we were in the process of renovating this very building, this auditorium that we now do church in today. And like at the midway point, we hit a really sticky wicket where we needed to find about £30,000. And like we'd just gone over budget, some things to do with construction and materials had just started to spiral out of control. And I knew about it and was really feeling the weight of this. Like, how on earth are we going to do it? We'd already asked the church to contribute and let's build something together. And they already had. And one of the guys on our board, his name is Craig Graham. He rings me one Monday and he starts to talk to me now about like this weighty financial problem, this huge struggle that we had to fix really fast. And at first on the call, I was just feeling like the weight of this, feeling like, you know, I'm the leader in this. I feel like I'm responsible for this. I've no clue what to do. But when he gets on the call to me, he's like, listen, this is what we're going to do. We have a financial problem. I'm going to travel back from London tonight. I'll meet you at the church at seven o'clock. I'm going to walk from Liverpool Lime Street and we're going to meet here and we're going to figure the whole thing out because that's the difference between feedback and criticism. When someone's willing to help you and jump in the trench with you, that's feedback. And we all need that in our life. 
So, in closing, what's the answer to feeling like you're living life dangerously tired? What's the antidote? What's the fix? Well, firstly, you've got to talk to someone. You have to talk to a friend, someone that you trust, maybe someone in your life group, maybe somebody that's on the team that you serve in with here at church, but you have to open up and talk to someone. You have to find people who know the song in your heart so well that they can sing it back to you when you've forgotten the tune. You've got to find people, somebody, and it doesn't have to be everyone, but it should be someone for you to talk to whether that's a mentor or a counsellor. But if you are dangerously tired, you've got to open up and talk to somebody. The second thing you've got to do is get some rest. Like take a day off, not to catch up with the chores, not to try and finish the DIY project that's never going to be finished by you taking that one day off anyway, but take a day off to do nothing. Like go for a walk, read a book, do whatever it is that fills your tank. Get some rest. One of the best messages I've ever heard is my wife Emma speaks about the prophet Elijah who found himself dangerously tired one time. And the first things practically that he did was he just ate some food and got some rest. And it's amazing how much better you'll start to feel if you'll just get some rest. But the third and final thing, that you've got to do if you want to try and avoid living your life dangerously tired is you have to come to Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 tells us this, come to me, and this is Jesus speaking. And now he's speaking to people who feel like I'm empty, I'm out, I'm going to quit. I've got no more energy. I am so tired. I am physically exhausted. I'm spiritually fatigued. This is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That is the real answer to dealing with you feeling like you're dangerously tired. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.